This is David back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 145. And as promised, I'm here with a themed episode. Um, I was given a pretty good theme idea by a friend of mine and tried my best to adhere to the parameters that he presented, but it was a little challenging, so I did something similar but not quite um, exactly what you know he suggested uh, he suggested playing songs that um, like bands that have a song like a self-titled album and then also have a song that is named after the band which is tough to get like all three there's a few on this list that I have um, that are exactly that but for the most part, I um, on this episode, I'm just playing stuff off of self-titled albums. Um, so not necessarily a song title that's the same as the band name, but, you know, just something off of a self-titled record. Um, and yeah, I thought this was a good idea because, you know, typically speaking, um, a self-titled album is either the debut or it's an album that occurs much later in their discography like for a band that's been around for a while and they release an album that to them they feel like it's kind of uh, an embodiment of you know an all-encompassing album that covers their entire career you know it's the culmination of everything they released before uh, so they consider it to be kind of their best work and the work that best summarizes you know what they are as a band so I think that's kind of a cool dynamic to uh, to explore and um yeah it was it was fun i tried to do it the other way but man it's hard to find that many songs um that are also the you know the same name as the band and all that so sorry i couldn't adhere to that um fully but i tried my best with the theme here so let's kick it off we're going to the usa out of florida that big tampa you know death metal scene um down there not really a scene but just bands happened to live there <laughs> pretty much they lived and recorded there but there wasn't a whole bunch of shows being played down there but this band um has been around since 89 that is deicide and uh, they released their self-titled debut in june of 1990 through rc records that was the debut out of 12 i believe they're up to now um this was a great great record and um and one of the best out of that scene that Florida scene, uh, really strong debut and uh, really memorable songs. Um, the vocals hadn't gotten super deep yet, you know. That kind of came on, uh, you know, albums after this. Um, but it's just has a real classic death metal sound to it, and uh, like I said, the best part of it is just uh, simply how catchy the songs are. Very memorable. Uh, my old band, Obsidian Throne, the singer really wanted to cover this song, and we never ended up doing it, but it uh, would have been cool if we did, because this is one of the better tunes off of it. So here we go, off of the self-titled debut, this is Deicide with Dead by Dawn. <laughs> Thank you. 
right, there we go. That is Deicide with Dead by Dawn off of the debut. Um, all right, we are staying in the USA. There's a lot of American ones on this episode. That's just kind of the way it worked out. But um, this one's in the USA out of New Jersey, and uh, this band has been going since 87. It's Danzig, and of course that is the band of Glenn Danzig, formerly of, uh, of the Misfits. And, um, you know, I'm not a huge Danzig guy. I've seen him live uh, before, and he put on a good show and everything. Um, he's obviously been, you know, influential for a lot of other bands and musicians. And um, just an interesting, entertaining dude. And, uh, of course, his appearance on Portlandia is uh, legendary. But um, a lot of people are very familiar with the song Mother off of the debut um, for good reason. Definitely, you know, the more memorable, one of the more memorable songs on the record. But um, I just never really got into them that heavily to where I was like listening to just every album in the discography and, and looking forward to new albums and stuff like that. Like if I came across any Danzig, it was usually coincidental, you know, and I might listen to a little bit and then switch to something else and it's not bad it's just never grabbed me that much but um a lot of people really love these uh, these early records the first two or three especially and um so yeah the debut was self-titled and that came out he really did he did the thing where you kind of do like danzig one danzig two danzig three whatever so uh this was you know self-titled came out in august of 88 through deaf american recordings and that uh was of course the debut out of 12 I believe he's up to now I am including his little Elvis cover album in there <laughs> as well I don't usually do include records like that in the total but I did this time don't ask me why but um but yes there's more to this debut than just mother so I once saw a dude who looked like uh you know Milton from uh from office space basically with a fanny pack on and khaki shorts and uh, just kind of a frumpy dude with glasses who went on to uh, the stage for karaoke and just nailed Mother. It was awesome. I uh, didn't expect that at all, but he crushed it. But anyways, <laughs> I'm drifting from the point here. Here we go, off of the self-titled debut. This is Danzig with Am I Demon. <laughs>
There we go. That is Danzig with Am I Demon. It's no juju bone, but it'll do. <laughs> um, Alright, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah, I wanted to apologize if I'm dealing with a little bit of vocal fry going on here. I was tracking some vocal stuff uh, earlier today, so the voice is a little tired now. And uh, we're going to power through. Got the dry, dry throat going on. Uh, we're staying in the USA here out of Florida. Yet another one from the Tampa scene. And uh, this band existed, you know, with a different name prior to this. But under the name Obituary, they existed from 88 to 97. And then uh, got things rolling again in 2003. And they've been going strong ever since. And uh, this one falls into that category of, like, releasing a self-titled one, like, well into their career. Because they just kind of felt like it was... Uh, this kind of pinnacle album of theirs and I wholeheartedly agree I think that this record is one of the strongest things they've ever put out uh, they released their self-titled album in March of 2017 and that is album number 10 out of 11 their most recent one just came out within the last you know six months I'd say uh, through relapse records and uh, yeah the production was finally like spot-on because ever since they regrouped in 03, uh, each album that they've put out has been cool. They've had good songs on there, but the production kind of betrays them. Like, it's just not quite up to snuff, uh, in my opinion, anyways. And I think the guy that they use to engineer these things and mix them is actually their live sound guy, which is an odd thing to do because those really are two different worlds. Uh, just because he's really good at, you know doing live sound doesn't mean he necessarily should be the guy to mix your records but um but yeah this record they they nailed it uh, when it comes to the production especially the vocals because john tardy's vocals are always great but they tend to mix his vocals a little too dry and uh they just kind of don't have the same impact that they could and i think they just kind of got it perfectly this time so it's a combination of really strong songs and uh, really memorable songs and the production was just perfect for it so um, yeah this this was a real triumph for for me I listened to, uh, to this album a lot and I still go back to it fairly often so here we go this is one of the groovier ones off of it off of the 2017 self-titled album this is obituary with straight to hell <laughs>
That is Obituary from Florida with Straight to Hell. Um, their new one that just came out is uh, is really good as well, but I don't think the production is quite as uh, as perfect as this one was. Uh, all right, we're going to Texas here, and uh, this is a band that I don't love. Um, but they're not awful. I'm just not really a fan. I've never really seen what the big deal is. But it is Absu, and uh, they existed initially from 91 to 02, and then uh, got it going again in 07, up until 2020, and they kind of had a fallout with their guitar player and um, proscriptor, the drummer and vocalist. Um, he just kind of decided to just cut ties with the entire Absu band name and start anew. Um, and he came up with the very original clever name of Apsu with a P. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've never enjoyed Apsu because it's too busy from a drumming standpoint. Um, a lot of people kind of love the high energy, you know, aspect of their music, but I just can't get into it as a drummer because he's a really talented drummer, but he just goes apeshit all the time and he just can't seem to settle on a beat for any length of time without throwing in all sorts of, uh, you know, different fills and things like that to just busy it up, and it's just too much for me, but, um, but yeah, there's always been some excellent guitar playing, um, on every record, really, but, uh, he's always found some good musicians, um, to be, you know, to round out the lineup, but, um, it's confusing here because there was a self-titled album called Absu, and then there was one after that called Abzu with a Z, and now he's released this one with Apsu with a P. So it's kind of all over the place there. So you know, are they all considered self-titled albums? I don't know, but I'm just going with uh, the safe bet and going with that first self-titled one, which happens to be their fifth album. Um, that came out in February of '09. That was released through Candlelight Records, and that was. Uh, Mixed by my good buddy, J.T. Longoria, and uh, he had a lot of back and forth, you know, with uh, with Proscriptor about the mix, and uh, they kind of worked together on it, and uh, ended up sounding great. I remember this album got a lot of uh, praise um, and good uh, reviews and things like that in the magazines at the time, but, um, but yes, here we go, off of the self-titled 2009 album, this is Absu with Night, Fire, Cannon... Canonization, Jesus Christ.
Alright, there we go. That is Absu from Texas with Nightfire Canonization. Um, yeah, I remember during the mixing of that, um, that JT was kind of, uh, they weren't, you know, arguing, but they were butting heads uh, in a friendly manner, him and Russ, her proscriptor, about the toms, because uh, proscriptor really is a fan of like 70s rock and stuff like that, so he noticed at a very young age that a lot of the drummers back then would leave the bottom heads off of their toms and it gave it a very distinct sound so he um you know idolizing the 70s rock sound he did the same with his um for the recordings and jt was kind of against it but he kind of did it anyways and then jt did his best with the mix when it came to the toms and um I think for the next album, he thankfully uh, convinced him to put the bottom heads back on his toms, and it it does sound better. It just does. Um, all right, we're going to Florida here, but this is not the death metal scene. This is uh, kind of more classic metal right here. It's Iced Earth, and um, my relationship with Iced Earth's music has changed in recent years, but uh, they existed from 85 to 88 uh, under the name Purgatory, and then in 88 switched it to Iced Earth, but uh, I mean, obviously John Schaefer is an idiot and um, did something really stupid, so he was kind of an idiot long before that, though, honestly, but I, I had reached a point where I just kind of blocked out all of his uh, patriotic conspiracy theory nonsense and just focused on the music, but even the music had taken a real downturn for the last several records. And, um, yeah, I was a Matt Barlow guy, so once they lost him and brought in uh, Tim Owens, it was kind of downhill from there for me. Uh, even when they brought Barlow back, he sounded great, but the songs, they, he was on this record that had way too many songs, and half of them were just like a minute long, these little interlude-type things, and it was just not a great record, but... Um, but yes, Barlow was the man, and um, this one actually falls into the criteria that was presented to me for this episode, which is the band is Iced Earth, the album is Iced Earth, and they have a song called Iced Earth on there, so it kind of it's the it's the trio. And um, so that's what I'm going to play here. That album, Iced Earth, came out in 1990. Um, they ended up releasing 12 records. No idea if they're still going to be able to continue. I don't think the label. They're not even on the label right now. Century Media dropped them from the roster, and half the band quit. So Schaefer might be going to jail pretty soon. So there's no telling what uh, is going to happen there. But um, but yes, before they got Barlow, they had a couple of different vocalists um, on the first and second album. First vocalist, I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, not good. I think his name was Gene Adam, if I remember correctly, or Gene Adams. But um, not very good, and that's kind of why he didn't, you know, continue with them after this album. He was with them for the Purgatory days, and then he was on this debut, but it was uh, it was clear to, to John Schaefer that, you know, he just didn't possess the the skill and the range that, uh, that the band needed moving forward. But uh, you'll hear it. He's got a goofy voice. I much prefer the Matt Barlow version of this from the Days of Purgatory album when they re-recorded a bunch of old songs with Matt singing. But uh, I wanted to stay true to the spirit of this episode and play it from the original uh, debut album here. So here we go. This was always a live favorite, uh, especially with the European crowds and stuff like that. They all go nuts for this tune. So here we go off of the debut 1990 album. This is Iced Earth with Iced Earth. Iced <laughs> Earth. 
There we go. That is Iced Earth from Florida. Actually, he was originally from Indiana and then moved to Florida as a teenager, I believe. Um, yeah, I used to know that whole tune on guitar, but that was like back in high school. I could probably fumble my way through it, but I, uh, that's one thing I need to get back to doing is just learning covers of stuff just for keeping my chops up because I really do not play guitar, um, nearly enough like not even close to how much i used to play it you know back in the day um all right we're going to sweden it's bathory and of course they existed from 83 to 2004 and they had a self-titled debut which came out in october of 84 through black mark productions and that was their debut out of 12 and it was rough it was super rough but um that was kind of the point you know like they they wanted some sort of a more rough and raw motorhead basically and um you know Quarthon was way ahead of uh, of the times when it came to his vocal style um there just wasn't really anybody doing that except for like Bathory and Venom to an extent and Possessed to an extent you know but um you know Hellhammer but yeah, um, this was a really, really rough and raw album and had a lot of uh, high-energy short songs, very short and sweet, but uh, it was just kind of different from anything that was out at the time. And um, it's not my favorite, if I'm being totally honest. Like, I would much rather listen to, like, you know, Under the Sign of the Black Mark um, or Blood, Fire, Death or something like that. Um, even The Return is just a, a slight step up, you know, in sound quality and stuff like that. This one was very uh, low budget and raw and kind of a hard listening experience, but uh, you can't deny the uh, the pure, you know, genuine energy and fire that's in this album. So here we go off of the 1984 self-titled debut. This is Bathory with Reaper.
That was Bathory with Reaper. Excellent. And it's fun to hear, you know, more modern day bands like Hell Ripper and some of those kind of blackened like speed metal bands of today that are still doing the exact same type of riffing uh, that Bathory established back then. You know, it still transcends this many decades and, uh, and, and people are still doing it and doing it well. Uh, all right, we're going to Germany here. This is a thrash band that uh, is kind of one of the big four of the German scene. And it's not Creator this time. <laughs> I've played Creator a lot lately, I feel like at least. Um, but I'm playing Sodom here, and they've been going since 82. And they actually released a uh, self-titled, I remember when this came out. Uh, this is another one that kind of falls later in the career. They released their self-titled album in uh, April of 06 uh, through Steamhammer Records. And that was album number 11 out of 15 they have now. And I remember this because the album prior to it, really two albums prior to it, uh, is when I first really got into them. Uh, was with the album Code Red, and then I remember when M16 came out, and I thought that was just amazing. Still do. I think it's a phenomenal record, and doesn't quite get the uh, the love and attention that it deserves. You know, the early albums, of course, deserve uh, a lot of praise and attention, but I do think that people kind of lost track of them a little bit uh, as the 90s progressed um, so they maybe didn't pay that much attention at the time when Code Red came out and M16 came out but those were fantastic records and real kind of return to roots albums for them they didn't stray too far in the 90s but they definitely kind of came back around to uh, to recapturing their sound in my opinion on Code Red and M16 and then they released this uh, self-titled one after that in 06 and I remember really looking forward to it and um, and it was it lived up to expectations it was great um, after that the albums were still good but they kind of you know dropped a little bit in quality for me personally so this was kind of a uh, the number three of that uh, perfect trio there of Code Red, M16, and then this album here. But um, really great songs, great performances, really dig the production, and uh, there's kind of a good variety on this album as well in terms of tempo and things like that. So um, I could see why they went with the, uh, this being a self-titled album because it kind of covers everything that they had done up to that point. So here we go from the 2006 self-titled album. This is Sodom with Lords of Depravity. Oh, 
right, there we go. That is Sodom from Germany with Lords of Depravity. Um, all right, you knew this was coming. You should have known this was coming. We're going to the USA out of California. Originally Los Angeles, then moved up to the Bay Area. Formed in October of 81, it is Metallica, and I have to play something off of the Black Album, because like it or not, it really was a game changer. It was a blueprint, for sure, for a lot of other bands um, kind of in that same vein that were kind of reaching a crossroads there in the early 90s and um, decided to kind of follow suit with what Metallica did and go for some more stripped-down songs, a little more catchy songs. I mean, Testament did it with uh, The Ritual, in 92 and you know Megadeth kind of did the same with uh, Countdown to Extinction so yeah the Black Album um, was a game changer and it's still super popular I forget you know it sells like another million copies every year or whatever uh, I, I don't even know how many times platinum it is at this point but um, it's a good record I mean if you're comparing it to Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets then yes of course I think people will listen to it and be a little let down that it doesn't have the same, you know, thrashy qualities, but um, it's a great record. It is a little front-loaded. Um, the better songs are kind of in the front half, and then that's when they start to get like, you know, "Don't Tread on Me" and "Of Wolf and Man" and stuff, which aren't bad songs. They're just not quite up to the standard that was set by uh, by Side A. But funny enough, uh, the album does close with some uh, some decent tunes towards the end there. And uh, this one I always really liked. I always thought it was uh, super heavy, especially the the verses. And um, I don't know. I just think the other ones have been kind of played to death. So I wanted to play something. One of the, if you can call it obscure, <laughs> one of the more obscure songs off of that record. None of them were obscure. Everyone's heard them. But uh, yes, this album, the Black Album, came out in August of 91, and that was album number 5 out of 11 they're up to now as far as original material. I'm not including uh, Garage Incorporated or anything like that, or the S&M records or none of that stuff. But uh, yeah, album number 5, released through Elektra Records. Um, I still have my copy of it, and it still is in that god-awful yellow jewel case because uh, that album was given to me by my brother, and he bought it and listened to it to death and got kind of worn out on it, so he just gave it to me. And the case had broken, so what he did was he put it in a jewel case, this this hazy yellow jewel case that went with a Collective Soul album that he owned. <laughs> so, so yes, I have the black album in this uh, terrible yellow jewel case, but uh, I've had it all these years. So here we go, off of uh, the Black Album, the self-titled album from 1991. This is Metallica with The God That Failed.
There we go. That is Metallica with The God That Failed. Um, I love that song. It's so heavy. I love the bass tone that you can finally hear it. <laughs> and that's actually the remastered version as well. Uh, so it just kind of pops even more. Um, all right, we're going back to Germany here. This is uh, one of their greatest exports, I would say, in terms of quality, you know, German speed metal. Been going since 83. It's Halloween. Halloween is not everybody's jam because they are kind of cheesy at times. I will definitely admit that, but I love Halloween. Um, I first fell in love with them when me and my friend Chris were freshmen in high school and we were rocking our Iced Earth t-shirts. We were the only ones in the school who had even really heard of them. And there was this other dude who was either a junior or a senior at the time. I can't remember, but his name was Chris as well. But he was a skinny dude, you know... He had long hair and the ponytail, but he had the sides and back, like, shaved down to the skin, I remember. And he was always wearing kind of, you know, nine-inch nails and just kind of stuff like that. Like, heavy stuff, but not quite what we listened to. But he um, saw our shirts and checked out Iced Earth and really enjoyed it. And I remember we were leaving school one day, saw him riding by on his bicycle. I guess he didn't have a vehicle at the time. And he had headphones on, so he just said, Hey, you, you ever heard ha Halloween? And I said, I've heard of them, but I've never heard them. And he, you know, kind of gestured with his headphones, like, here, take a listen. So I just kind of took a quick listen of, you know, 20 seconds of a song or whatever. Don't even remember what song it was, but uh, really enjoyed what I was hearing. So I want to say probably that weekend uh, when I was at the CD store, I purchased uh, their album called Treasure Chest which is like a best of, you know, a two-disc uh, greatest hits type thing, and um, loved it, and just kind of really, really became a fan of the band uh, from there on out, and I actually finally got to see them live for the first time this year with my son uh, back in May and uh, in Dallas, because they haven't done like a proper North American tour in ages. Like, they've come to North America, but they just play like New York, Chicago, uh, Vegas, you know, Los Angeles, and then they fly home. So it's like it's never really a tour. But this time they did, oh, not a huge amount, but I want to say like 16 dates, something like that. Pretty good for them. And it was awesome. You know, they had, they have both vocalists now, and they have uh, Kai Hansen there now. And so it's just like uh, tons of people on stage, but uh, they covered all, you know, eras of Halloween, and it was awesome. So... They released um, a self-titled album in 2021, like right smack in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, this was, you know, a huge deal because this is the first album where they've had both vocalists, you know, Michael Kiske and Andy Darris, um, both on there and even Kai Hansen doing some vocals as well because he, of course, was the original singer, uh, but he played guitar at the same time and then he decided he didn't want to do both, so that's when they hired Michael. But... Um, but yeah, this was like the big collaboration. It was like, is this going to work? Having all the old members back with the new members and just having all of them contributing. And it's a little bit of a bloated album, I'm not going to lie. There's a few too many songs on there because they just they just couldn't say no. You know what I mean? Like they were just were on a roll writing songs and they just decided to include uh, a bunch. So there's a lot of songs and uh, it's a very long album. But uh, there's some real gems on there and having both vocalists um, participating. And they don't just trade off either. It's like where one sings one song, the other sings another song. They work together in a lot of these songs with harmonizing and trading off verses and things like that. And it's just really cool. And they look like they are legitimately having a blast 
on stage, you know, with with uh, these old members back, and it's just really cool to see. But um, this tune in particular is one of the singles. It was written by Andy Darris. He is uh, that's one of his strengths. He's not just a singer; he actually does write a lot of songs for them. And um, and this one just kind of features both vocalists really well, and it's a catchy song. So I uh, figured it would be a good one for the episode. So. Here we go off of their 16th album, the self-titled album from 2021. This is Halloween with Fear of the Fallen.
think he wants you to decide something because he only said it about eight thousand times in that song that's my only beef with that song is that he <laughs> kind of it's a little too much repetition lyrically there um but both vocalists just sound great and andy darris is a lifelong smoker and it drives me nuts because <laughs> i don't know why like there's people that say oh smoking doesn't actually harm your vocal cords it's more just uh lung capacity and that type of thing but i'm just like man I don't know, like, I just, his voice has always been pretty gravelly, but I think it's uh, definitely um, amplified that when it comes to uh, his smoking and all that. Anyways, I still love Andy, though. I love those records. Like I said, I'm always a contrarian. Everybody always wanted Michael back, and I was just content with Andy. I always liked Andy's voice. Anyways, let's move on here to New York, and this is a... a lovely, brutal, technical death metal band, but kind of one of the originators of that style, I would say. That is Suffocation, and they existed from 88 to 98, and then they uh, regrouped in 02, and they've been going ever since, albeit with uh, some pretty drastic lineup changes, but they're still going. And they released uh, Souls to Deny as their big like comeback album. I want to say that was 2003, and uh, that was actually the first suffocation I had had heard because that was right when I was in the middle of high school and uh, I just kept looking into more and more aggressive stuff. And first it was, you know, finding more aggressive thrash bands to listen to and stuff like that. And then it just kind of started to evolve into death metal and black metal and stuff like that. So this was right in my, you know, checking out death metal stuff uh, phase. And... I still love death metal, but this was at the time when I was just looking for more, more, more. What's more brutal? What's more aggressive? And uh, started getting into, you know, cryptopsy and suffocation and stuff like that. And it's only after you've reached the tip of the top 
of brutality that then you start to like reel it back in and start to see okay it, what is actually good <laughs> is this all actually good just because it's super brutal like you start to really scale it back and then say okay like I've heard the most brutal stuff and now let's just kind of pick the best of this uh, bunch but um, I always enjoyed suffocation I've seen him live several times over the years I uh, saw them again on Frank's uh, last tour before he retired as the vocalist but uh, yeah I, I very vividly remember them releasing this self-titled album came out in 2005 it was the follow-up to uh, souls to deny and this was album number five out of eight and uh, I believe they're actually working on album number nine uh, right now but this uh, this came out through Relapse Records, and um, it was a longer album. I think Souls to Deny only had eight tunes on it, and it was fairly short, but this one had more songs, just a longer runtime. Um, sounds like it had maybe a little bit more of a budget for production and mixing, but um, everything about it was just more sleek. The production, the, um, the cover art and booklet and everything like that was just really well done, and it was clear that Relapse was uh, really investing... Um, putting putting the effort in to promote suffocation again and the fact that they were back, you know. Um, but this one is also, to me anyways, a little bit more front-loaded of, of an album. Some of the best tunes on there are kind of within the first five or six songs. But this is one that my son loves, funny enough. Um, I let him hear it once and he just liked the drumming in it, so he asked me to add it to his crazy drums playlist which is ever growing and um so yeah it's been on there ever since and he just refers to it as the abomination song so here we go off of their 2005 self-titled album which was album number five and this is suffocation with abomination reborn Sure. 
right, there we go. That is Suffocation with Abomination Reborn. I've heard that song way too many times uh, just from the Crazy Drums playlist with my kid in the car. I've heard that one probably more than any other Suffocation song. Um, all right, we're jumping to Norway here. Existed from 91 to 2000 and then uh, from 09 to 2018. It is Burzum and... I mean, what is there to say about Burzum here? That uh, that debut is kind of a game changer for the uh, second wave of uh, of black metal. Um, other bands were kind of going for a more aggressive approach, and Burzum went a lot more for atmosphere and repetition, and um, that has become a key component uh, in black metal in the years that followed. But um, this debut was. Um, pretty well liked you know from the sound of things i know fenris uh from dark throne just kind of viewed it as this masterpiece and and thought it was a real you know uh up to the ante for the other bands you know in the scene uh to have to follow that and um it got released the self-titled full length got released in march of 92 um and that was released through uh death like silence by old Euronymous uh, from Mayhem. And they ended up releasing 12 records total, although a good handful of those are just kind of ambient, um, more synth, you know, driven uh, albums. But, uh, of course, there was the lengthy hiatus there due to uh, Varg being in prison for murder. And, I mean, everybody knows that story already. But, um, yeah, like, the albums are kind of hard to to wrap your head around when they were made because most everything that he released was released at least a year after it was actually recorded so it's like this album came out in 92 I'm sure it was recorded in early 91 you know and, and other albums that followed you know that were released in like 95 were actually recorded in 1992 you know so it's kind of all over the place but um, but yeah this was kind of everyone's first taste uh, of Burzum, and I'm going to play one that I'm certain I've probably played before on a much earlier episode of the podcast, but I don't care. I'm going to play it again because it's still my favorite Burzum song, uh, just due to the overall just mood and atmosphere of, uh, of the riffing here, and just kind of what a contrast this was to the other bands of the scene at the time who weren't really taking the atmospheric um, part of black metal to this, you know, uh, taking it this far and doing it this well at the time. So here we go off of the 1992 debut album, self-titled album. This is Burzum with Spell of Destruction. <laughs>
There we are. That is Burzum with Spell of Destruction. I love that song. I like the re-recorded version um, better, like that album he put out, which the name of it is Escaping Me, but um, I really enjoy that one because his vocal delivery is a bit different and uh, a little more palatable, and the production's just a, just a little bit better. Um, all right, Cody, if you're listening... I am sorry to do this to you, but uh, you're, you're about to be asking yourself, what did I do to deserve this? Because we're going to the UK here with a new wave of British heavy metal band that I love that has been going off and on since 78. They've had some hiatuses here and there, and that is Angel Witch. Yes, Cody, you know where this is going. Uh, he once told me that, I think it was at work, that somebody played uh, the song that I'm about to play, <laughs> which is... This is one just like Iced Earth, where they had a self-titled album. So the band is Angel Witch, the album is Angel Witch, and they have a song called Angel Witch. And he heard the song, I don't know if he had heard it before at all, but he heard it at work, being played, like in the kitchen or something, and just wanted to beat his head against the wall because he's like, sweet Jesus, they say the words Angel Witch so many times in this song, and it was just very repetitive, and it drove him insane. But I said, I actually really enjoy that song (laughs) and that album. But um, but it was a it was an influential album, you know, for that time. I, even the guys in Metallica and some of their really early interviews would mention them, along with Diamond Head and Merciful Fate and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's an important record. And some of their stuff in the middle of their career I didn't like as much. But then they've had a couple of albums. Uh, I think in 2012, and then another one maybe in 2019, 2020. Um, but those were really strong albums that uh, kind of harken back to the debut in terms of just their style on those recent records. But uh, debut, really strong, and one of my favorite uh, new wave of British heavy metal records uh, out of the whole bunch. There was a lot of them at the time, but uh, this one is still one of my favorites. Uh, came out in December of 1980 through Bronze Records, and uh, of course that's the debut out of five. So after all this time, they've only put out five records but I think they're working on a new one right now. Uh, I, th- I feel like I saw something on Instagram that they were kind of rehearsing new songs. Um, so who knows how close they are to actually being in the studio. But it's still progress nonetheless. Um, so yeah, here we go. Sorry, Cody. I love this tune. So off of the self-titled debut from 1980, this is Angel Witch with Angel Witch. <laughs> Don't 
Alright, there we go. That was Angel Witch with Angel Witch. And uh, in case you did not know, you're an Angel Witch. Uh, we're going to Sweden here. And this is one of the best of that Stockholm early death metal scene in Sweden. It's Dismember. And they existed from 88 to 2011. And then they kind of reformed in 2019. But then the pandemic happened and it kind of shut everything down. And... I think they've played a couple of like festival shows and stuff since things kind of got going again, but they've been kind of quiet, but uh, they announced in 2019 that it was kind of all the original guys, uh, that Fred Etsby was back, and um, Richard Cabeza, and yeah, it's it's pretty cool that they're all kind of back together and hopefully uh, maybe working on some new music, but um, their last album was back in 2008, and it's their eighth album overall, and that was the self-titled album uh, that was released through Regain Records. And man, it's a doozy. It's an excellent record, and uh, by that time, um, you know, Cabeza was no longer in the band. Uh, they were using Tobias Christensen, who's a bass player for Grave, and among others, he kind of fills in with, you know, whoever <laughs> with Swedish bands these days, because Grave isn't really doing a ton. But, um, so yeah, he was there, and I forget the drummer's name that replaced Fred Etsby. I want to say his name was Thomas Down, Down, D-A-U-N. Um, he seems like more of a kind of punk crossover type uh, drummer, but he held his own and did really well. He's a, he's a talented guy, and they actually released a DVD with that lineup, uh, which I own, and excellent show, And uh, but they released this self-titled album um, with that lineup so this was kind of the only album that didn't have uh, Fred Etsby on it but it's a really solid album the production is thick and super heavy and uh, there's some really good songs on here too like I've, I've been fortunate enough to see Dismember live um, at Inferno Festival in 2006 and that was probably still is the most uh, insane show I've ever seen and, and not because of the band I just mean the crowd was just going insane with the pit and you just couldn't escape it you were just you were getting just knocked around that entire set and it was so intense and it was such a good show um, but yeah this record you know some people kind of uh, cast it aside just because it had this different lineup than they were used to it didn't have Fred on it you know it had a different drummer but um, if you kind of skipped over it because of that, uh, you should really give this a solid listen because there's some really, really good songs on here. And this one is my favorite. So here we go off of the 2008 self-titled album. This is Dismember with Under a Blood Red Sky.
right, that is Dismember from Sweden with Under a Blood Red Sky. That's one thing I've always loved about them is that the guitar players are very obviously influenced by Iron Maiden and they don't try to hide that fact. <laughs> Just because they're in a really heavy you know, Swedish death metal band does not mean that they uh, are just going to forego some of those meta metallic, melodic uh, guitar parts like that. And I just love when they kind of harmonize and go full-blown Iron Maiden on you like that. Um, that's just something that makes them stand out, makes them different. Um, all right, we're going back to Norway here. This band, I didn't even know that they really called it quits. I don't think they technically did. Uh, they existed from 1993 up until 2020 and then kind of got it rolling again uh, last year and they're kind of uh, active again. And that is Aura Noir and I've played them several times because I love them. And <laughs> they have put out six albums. Um, most recent one is the self-titled kind of because they spell their band name well, you know, Noir is N-O-I-R, and they just leave it at that, but on the album title, they add an E to the end of it for some reason, but um, but yeah, they've kind of had their album spread out, and that of course is uh, partially, you know, in part of Blasphemer being their guitar player, and he was in Mayhem for a number of years, so he was kind of busy with that, and then of course, uh, Aggressor uh, fell out of a fourth-story window and almost killed himself and was paralyzed and then slowly was able to regain function in his legs and stuff so he they used to trade off uh, between him and Apollyon doing drums on these albums but now uh, Apollyon does all the drums because Aggressor kind of lost his uh, ability to do that uh, adequately he can walk and stand and stuff now I think he uses a cane or or uh, you know a crutch of some sort but um, but yeah he he's bounced back and uh, it's pretty amazing um, that's another one that I got to see at Inferno Festival back in 2011 I want to say and uh, and he came out I didn't know he was going to come out but he came out and performed that might have been his first performance back with them you know but uh, that was a really cool cool thing to see but they had been on a roll uh, ever since you know they kind of reactivated uh, they were on a roll there with uh, with you know their last few albums um, they put out one in 2012, and then it took them six years to finally release this self-titled one. Uh, it came out in April of 2018. That's album number six, and that was released through Indie Recordings, and uh, that remains the most recent one. And they had kind of reached a point, like I listened to um, on the Thomas Erickson podcast, which of course he's the singer from uh, Mork. But he had interviewed Apollyon, and it was a really long interview, really long discussion, but the, towards the end of it, they were kind of talking about, like, well, what's next for Or Noir? And he was like, I don't know. He said, uh, Aggressor kind of said that he just kind of wanted to put it to bed, but then at the same time, you know, six months later, he's calling up Apollyon saying, hey, uh, I have some new ideas. Would you like to come over and, and work them out? So it's like... They say they're done, but then it's like, hey, I got new ideas. Let's work on them. So they're clearly not. Um, so yeah, that's exciting because I would love for to have another album. But this one, the self-titled one, is a really strong effort. And um, I mean, they don't have, really have a weak spot in their discography, but this just adds to the legacy even more. So here we go off of the 2018 self-titled album. This is Aura Noir with Cold Bone Grasp. Let's 
song would fit right in on like Dark Throne's uh, Fuck Off and Die album. Uh, that was Aura Noir from Norway with Cold Bone Grasp. Excellent record, um, and I hope it's not their last. But it is that time, once again, for me to announce the final song of the episode. I actually gave you an extra one on this one because uh, Aura Noir was actually song number 14, and I'm giving you 15 songs this time. But um, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh you know, giving me this uh, this idea for the theme. I hope you uh, guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and um, I got to start thinking of the next one. Maybe I'll do that in the next you know four or five episodes. 
But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling other people about the podcast. If you want to tell them where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app. And, of course, the uh, entire catalog of uh, episodes is on Spotify, so you can find and follow the podcast there. Um, Any sort of feedback, requests, critiques, you know, anything you want to share with me, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates or news or poll questions or things like that for you guys, the listeners, like anything that I want to get out to you is going to be posted there. So please find and like the page so you don't miss out. Um, Yeah, the next episode should be out in two weeks and it should be uh, kind of a more straightforward, normal episode. I've already got most of my uh, the bands picked as far as what I want to play. Uh, Still kind of finishing up that list, but uh, yeah, this one was a lot of fun to put together because, you know, talking about uh, self-titled albums like I did at the beginning there, it's just kind of cool knowing that the bands really consider these albums to be like the cream of the crop in in terms of their their sound and their discography. Like they think this is the best of the best, so it's kind of cool to kind of put it under the microscope and um and listen to them that much more closely and see if you kind of agree. So for the most part, I do. Um, all right, let's go ahead and finish strong here. We're going to Sweden, and this is such an influential heavy metal doom band. It is Candlemass, and they've had some hiatuses here and there. They existed from 84 to 94, and then released some albums, not really as like a full band, but just kind of, uh, you know, a few kind of one-off albums from 97 to 2002. And then uh, reforming in 2004, they've been going strong uh, ever since, up until now. But when they reformed in 04, that was the big return of Messiah, the vocalist. You know, he was back. And just basically the the lineup from um, the Nightfall album, which is really their most famous record, um, was back and has pretty much held strong ever since, uh, other than some vocalist changes. But... um, they released this self-titled album in 2005 and i remember i was still in high school i graduated in 05 um but they had released a single and i had heard some little 30 second you know samples of some of the other songs and i was very highly anticipating this because i was a candlemas fan ever since maybe 2000 one and just early on in high school i had gotten that metal blade records uh, 20th anniversary box set and it had several Candlemas songs and Candlemas music videos on their little DVD that came with it and I loved it so uh, I was really looking forward to this record and it did not disappoint at all the production was fantastic very heavy um, the cover art super simple just plain white with a black Candlemas logo and a and a simple black cross on the front And uh, this was album number 8 out of 13 they're up to now, but this was released through Nuclear Blast, and they promoted it very heavily. And uh, it's just a damn near perfect album. Um, Every song on there is catchy and kind of stands alone. There aren't really any two songs that sound the same on this record to me. Uh, Messiah's voice sounds great, still sounds very fresh. And... Yeah, it, it really kind of established them as being back, and they've had a, a really excellent, you know, second wind to their career ever since. Um, they've been going strong, and they just released another fantastic album last year, so 
Still going strong, but I have a real soft spot for this album because I was really looking forward to it at the time. Uh, so here we go. Let's finish up off of the 2005 self-titled album. This is Candlemas with Witches. Cheers. <laughs> 